Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowe, and Pastor Nathan Olson continued their discussion on Article 13 of the Augsburg Confession, looking at an Old Testament passage. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary. Whatever your vocation is, start here, go anywhere grounded in God's Word. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bow, and I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham. And Dr. Nathan Olson. Yes. Welcome back, Doctor. Hey, good to be with you guys. Soon to be Doc. Soon to be Doc. Yeah. Uh, Soon is a very... uh, Interpretive, work. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've well, got I've got a lot of writing I need to get done, and a lot of very very painful yes. communication about formatting and everything. Right. I, I just can't wait to call you Doctor J. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to that. <laughs> Doctor Julie Zering just cried a little bit with that yeah. comparison. And I don't know. Do you have a, a doctoral nickname yet? I, don't, I haven't got anything you cool. Can be, that he can be, we can call him Doctor No for Dr. No. There you go. Doctor No. Cool. I think yeah. I'm going to run with that. Brings the law. Yep. No gospel. That's right. right. And I'm the lowly peon here that is so glad to be with you guys. I'll, I'll bow, I'll, uh, I'll humble myself in servitude. You know, <laughs> since you're a White Sox fan, I'll accept that. <laughs> oh! I was waiting for it. I have intentionally not uh, rubbed it in your face. At the, Total the system Sox. failure yeah, in the twin right. season. Yeah, I've intentionally not brought it up because yeah. it's just so painful. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm here for you, brothers. Um, anyway. No, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? You're enjoying every second oh, of this. Oh, yes, that is true. That is true. Yeah. Good. So, we, we need Yeah, so right? anyway, let's, <laughs> Back let's to actually Bible study. <laughs> let's talk about the Bible. Let's talk about God's Word. Um, and we are in the midst of doing our um, Bible study, Old Testament. This is the Old Testament lesson for uh, Augsburg Confession, Article 13. On the sacraments, and um, so today we decided to choose the most obvious uh, choice of scripture. I'm saying that a little bit in tongue, tongue in cheek. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's right up there. Yeah. Everyone will get it by the end. Yes, that's right. So uh, today we're going to be reading Daniel six verses one through ten, and you can grab your Bible and read along with us and study this text. And I think you're going to be in for a treat of of uh, looking at scripture and, and just seeing things that maybe you haven't seen before uh, in, in God's word, which is not always necessarily the goal of you know Bible study, just to f- discover something new. Um, but there can be new insights gained in thinking systematically of, of all of scripture as well. I think that's a fair way to look at it. Well, we, this is one of my favorite studies on teaching how to study scripture as scripture, where you're looking at the whole message of scripture rather than drilling down into just the specifics of the passage. Mm-hmm. Yep, good. So I'll go ahead and read that for us. Daniel 6, 1 through 10. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault, because he was faithful, and no error or fault was found in him. 
Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and the satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should, estab should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction, that whoever makes petition to any god or man for thirty days, except you, O king, shall be cast into a den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. And here ends the scripture reading today. Right, I think Amen. that's a great place to end the episode. Yeah, it should be thanks fairly for straightforward. tuning in. What, yeah, what this teaches about the sacraments, yeah, right? Yeah, right. Perfect. So where do we start with uh, thinking about this text in light of the sacraments? The, the whole thing is key on what or how Daniel prays. The, the, okay. and, and this so is one of those verse things. 10. Yeah, yep. verse 10. We're, we're focusing on verse 10. First nine verses are all the setup for why this is important. Verse 10 is really the key. And it's, um, oh, I wish I knew what... It, her name was in my head this morning. Um, and... It just evaporated right when I needed to access that thought. You know, it's kind of like trying to catch a bubble in your hand or something like that. Play 10, <laughs> 20 questions. Yeah, do I, guess who? Uh, there's this. Uh, <laughs> she's been on both issues, etc., and on White Horse. And I was going to say Nadia Bolzweber, but I don't no, think that's the. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, she talks about these, they're like. Um, unintentional coincidences in scripture hmm. where they give you a detail. That it just seems so insignificant. It's like a throwaway detail, but it actually serves to give the hmm. point of the passage or the authenticity of the passage. And she does it uh, on the book of John a lot and a couple of other things. And oh, I can hear her voice, uh, but I can't get her name right now. And I'm sure it'll come to me some other time. So it just means you're getting old, Jason. Yeah, Molly's, well, I'm Molly's getting old. I'm already anyway. there. No, no. no uh, um, yeah, it's. I don't think she's Lutheran. Mary Mur Morgan? No. <laughs> just list all the guests on issues who have yeah, been. Yeah, I'm trying to think through. No. Um, if it comes to me, I'll say it. But anyway, it's this thing. Daniel goes up to his room uh, in response to the edict of the king. And, and we know it's an anti-Christian edict for all intents and purposes, or Jewish in this case, whatever. It's anti the children of God. And immediately he prays. But the detail in there is that he prays in such a way so that he's situated toward his open window, which points toward Jerusalem. Now, for, for most of us, that would either one seem like a very incidental, unnecessary detail. For a small handful of us, it might sound incredibly Muslim. I was going to say, you know, praying kind of, towards Mecca. Yeah, mm -hmm. praying towards Mecca, right? But there's a very specific thing going on here that I think will open our eyes to the significance of the sacraments. And to do it, we need to jump back in Scripture all the way to 1 Kings chapter 8, which would be... Oh, what Solomon was probably, what, 300 years, 400 years before Daniel? Uh, so, so we're almost talking about a, a Reformation span of time, uh, just to, to get our brains how, how much older Solomon is than Daniel. And, and at the dedication of the temple, 
in First Kings 8, and I'm going to use the Jason Gunham paraphrase edition of Scripture, Solomon has this cycle of prayers, and it happens a handful of times, where he basically prays to God at the dedication, with the people all there, and he says, Dear Lord, when we, your people, act like idiots, and we forget about your presence in the temple, and we go our own way, and we get ourselves into really big trouble... Uh, when we come to our senses, Lord, and we pray to this temple where you have revealed your presence, hear our prayer, Lord, remember and act. It's kind of, that's kind of the quasi-summary of all these prayers of Solomon. And First Kings 8 is a really long chapter, and it's over and over and over again, Solomon prays these implications. First Kings 9 comes around, and in the first couple of verses, God actually audibly responds to Solomon and says, I have heard your prayer, and I will hear, and I will act when this happens so 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 that's the setup now Daniel, god's, god's making a promise god makes a promise uh in response to a prayer mm-hmm. and he issues that promise in his word mm-hmm. it, it, not only does he speak it literally in his word is recorded in his word it's recorded in the book of first kings mm-hmm. uh fast forward three four hundred years to daniel and his people have acted like idiots they're now in exile in Babylon, per the promise of God, in all the promise or in all the prophets, uh, Jeremiah primarily is involved in the pro- proclamation of the exile. Uh, Micah has some things to say about the exile. Isaiah has some things to say about exile. Uh, and here is Daniel. A- and uh, what what is so interesting about this is all of Daniel really ends up becoming a fulfillment of what Solomon was praying. Uh, Daniel prays here in response to the predicament of his people. Uh, The first half of Daniel chapter 9, which, you know, the last third of Daniel 9 is Daniel 9, 20 through 27, a very famous passage about eschatology that everyone rips out of Daniel as if it stands on its own and we ignore the context. But, But Daniel 9, 1 through 19 is this prayer of confession for the nation that Daniel makes because you know what? We're in exile. Mm-hmm. So, so Daniel prays toward Jerusalem. And why would he do this? Because there's a word mm-hmm. and there's a promise. Right? Yep. And, and, he's, da- and he's living by faith. He's, he's trusting li- in that promise. Oh, he's living by faith to the point that he is marked in the first part of the passage we just read for his faithfulness. Yeah. Right, Daniel was known to be faithful. So, so this is a guaranteed scheme to work by the satraps and, and the prefects and all these other governors because they know what Daniel's going to do. Daniel takes God at his word, and, and he goes to where the promise is. He goes to where the comfort is. So Daniel prays toward Jerusalem because there's a promise. Mm-hmm. And that, it's not a sacrament, but it is sacramental. Yeah. Yeah, he's living by faith in the promise of God. And, and I think the, the living by faith is such a huge part of that because if you think about the prophet Jeremiah, there were other people during that time that were saying, we have the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. They were looking to the physical place, but they weren't living by faith. Correct. They weren't trusting mm. the God who had made the promise. And, mm-hmm. and in fact, the entire book of Micah is that theme right mm. there, that yeah. that the, the, the Judahites, the, the southern kingdom, the Judeans, as they would be called in, in the New Testament, are accused of pagan idolatry in the temple mm-hmm. because, because, in fact, they are living as if the temple, ex opere operato, mm-hmm. just because it exists, yep. uh, has this benefit to them, mm-hmm. even though they're abusing their faith, they're refusing 
to live in repentance. They're not confessing their sins. Mm. They're exploiting the poor and the needy, you know, everything other than, oh, we have the temple. It's okay, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and, and here's Daniel in this specific situation that Solomon prayed about, taking God at his word. Mm-hmm. And the outcome, we all know Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel... Uh, displayed an extraordinary faith, mm-hmm. relied on the promises of God. And I mean, all of the connections with the sacraments and the word of God in Daniel are just popping off the page for us right now because we can mm-hmm. fast forward or actually rewind to Daniel chapter two and you've got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and their magnificent uh, statement of faith before King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, God is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace, but O King, even if he does not... Mm-hmm we are not going to bow down. And and all of this works itself out to, this is the value of locating your faith where God puts his promise. Yep. You know, and we can stop right here and we can create a hypothetical situation that will entirely illustrate why we do the sacraments in the Lutheran church. Let's say Daniel finds himself surrounded by lions in the jungle. That, that he, he's in the jungle, he, he can't tell north, south, east, west. He doesn't know which direction. If he were to cry out to God for help, does it mean that God would not have heard his prayer? Nope, That's, you're off by one degree. Yeah, it's, oh man, you were praying towards Bethlehem, Daniel, <laughs> not Jerusalem, and now you're lying food, right? Yeah. You know, that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that in the moment... The place where Daniel rested his comfort hmm. was the precise place where God put his promise. And, and that, is that what you mean by the sacramental yeah. aspect of this? Yeah, there's a to, sacramental, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a, what we talked about the last two episodes, a tangibleness mm-hmm. to what Daniel is doing. And it's prayer. And, you know, we're not saying that prayer is a sacrament. What we're saying is this entire thing teaches us exactly how the sacraments work. It's almost like God works the same, you know, in well, the same yeah, kind of ways. Right. You know, novel and, idea. As I was becoming actually Lutheran, and not only Lutheran by name, but this is in seminary and after seminary, yeah. I used to kind of roll my eyes at how often Lutherans saw the sacraments in the Old Testament. You know, like, there's a drop of water somewhere, <laughs> and there's a baptism right there. That's baptism, right? right. No, we, we, we don't do it like you know, just because, but it just so happens that usually when God is talking about the means of grace, he's talking about the means of grace. We want to look at it. You know, the the reason why we talk about Naaman getting cleansed from leprosy is because it there's a baptismal quality to it. The, and, and in fact, next episode, man, hashtag man, spoiler man, alert, yeah. you know, we're going to talk about how there's a baptismal quality to the Israelites passing through the Red Sea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so we want to look at this because, again, the message of Scripture is entirely unified. And it's pointing us to the same Christ, to the same redemption, to the same way the Word of God works. Mm-hmm. And, and in the American church, especially to bring back eschatology and bring back this kind of genericness, we have this sense that God works salvation in different ways at different times to different people. And, and, and we want to avoid that. Yep. You know, we, 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 we kind of have this thing going where uh, the saints of the Old Testament were saved because they were good people, hmm. you know, which is why it's so important, like when you go through Hebrews 11, that every one of those people had a mortal fault mm-hmm. that, that they talked about. Or, or, you know, that because of Judaism, that God saved in the Old Testament through the law. 
And, and that's not it. Mm-hmm. God has always and only ever saved the same way, or we don't need Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's the point. Yep. Yeah, and I think, you know, thinking of this idea of the temple here, you know, as Daniel prayed, you know, towards the temple, you know, carrying that theme through all of Scripture, you know, thinking of Jesus talking about the temple with, uh, they were talking about, oh, it took us so many days to, or so many years to build this thing, and you're going to destroy it. And, you know, and Jesus talking about, uh, you know, him destroying the temple and raising up again in three days. And oh. Just there's other temple uh, theology, you know, going from there, too. Um, it's that same uh, line, red, red thread of faith uh, throughout um, all of that. Yeah, well, even his promise to be making his church into the temple of God, you know, his spirit mm-hmm. dwells in the congregation of saints. Mm-hmm. Well, and following the temple theology, that's exactly what Daniel's doing here, is he's looking where God has revealed himself to be, to the place of his presence and to the place of his promise. That was the temple, but it wasn't brick and mortar mm-hmm. like the Jews in the Old Testament were scolded for. It was because God had said, this is where I am, mm-hmm. which is why the first 14 or so verses of John are so crucially important, because then the Son of God comes in tabernacles mm-hmm. among the people. This is now the place of God's presence, is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And then the church being called the building of the Lord, mm-hmm. you know, the church has the gospel. This is where Christ is on earth, is in the church. Mm-hmm. And so we, we don't rest in that we go to church every day. We don't rest in the particular building. We rest mm-hmm. that the church has the gospel. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. And maybe we shouldn't go in this direction, but uh, for those have that have an eschatological system that are waiting for a new temple yep. to be built, um, their eyes are looking away to Christ uh, and to um, what he has for us. Well, and that's, I mean, the the end of it all is that if your eschatology doesn't end in Christ, you're mm-hmm. doing it wrong. And and actually, in I just read this in my devotions this morning, Melanchthon talks about the tendency to re-Judaize everything. Hmm. And he's uh, he's like, uh, yeah, the the New Testament talks about the high priest and the role of the high priest. That doesn't mean we need to go back to Jewish practices or, or have a, a Jewishness about our faith because Hebrews turns that right on its head and says, oh yeah, Jesus is our high priest. And it's talking about how everything in the Old Testament that God instituted was pointing forward to Christ in the first place. And, and, and it's finalized Yep. by Christ. Yep. And so what Daniel does isn't so much, uh, you know, uh, Islamic or, or superstitious. What Daniel does is a physical manifestation of praying in Christ, in the name of Christ. He's putting his hope where the presence of God is, mm-hmm. where God has attached his promise. Right. And I think that's instructive for modern day Christians too, of we can direct our attention in the direction where God has promised to be, where he has promised to deliver his grace to us. You know, I think of the you know, the everyday Christian that comes to church when we're having, a, you know, receiving the Lord's Supper mm-hmm. of there's a pointing our, our bodies in the direction to receive and to, uh, to uh, be on that end of God delivering his grace to us. Well, and if you can figure out the thing I preach constantly on this show is that the two halves of the Christian life is assurance of salvation and vocation. If if God vocation, I got to uh, throw that in there. First a time in, yeah, in a couple it's episodes. been a while. Oh, we failed rusty. miserably. Yeah, but uh, 
if God wants us to have assurance of salvation, then we're going to actually be assured yeah. of our salvation. It's not going to be left up to a mystery. It's not going to le- be left up for me to be confirmed by my obedience, uh, and it, which is so entirely funny if we if we bring in obedience at this point in time mm. because of what the American church makes the sacraments into. We, we make it about obedience. And, and, and the, the hilarious thing about this is we can rewind to another Old Testament passage and, and talk about how broken the system is in the church today. Uh, in If you go to Joshua and the Battle of Jericho uh, in, in the book of Joshua, you're going to have standard military procedure that almost every battle that's ever been fought has been done with the army walking around a location (laughs) one time each day for a week and on day seven they march around seven times uh play some jazz music and the battle's won right shout really loud at the rocks it's not going to be found in the art of war uh, uh, book yeah it's yeah it's it's and we will teach our kids at every single VBS about God's faithfulness to do this unique thing that he said to, you know, to Joshua and, and his obedience in doing that. And then we talk about baptism. And no, that's a bridge too far. If we can talk about God faithfully delivering his promises in, in something amazing hmm. like Jericho, but God can't deliver his promise of salvation yeah. when he talks about baptism. God can't forgive sins in communion. It has to be about what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, when in the situation, it can't be about what Daniel's doing. And it can't be about what Joshua and the army of Israel is doing. It has to be about what God's doing. Yeah. There's just so many times in the Old Testament where you see that just so encouraging. I think two of uh, Moses and the bronze serpent. Yep. You know, just uh, over and over where there are uh, physical thing, yeah. whether it's that or yep. whether it's circumcision or Look others. And, and there's physical action with a promise. And you just see that theme, that heart of God to bring assurance of salvation for his people. And then also to relay the promise to have an effective call in their life. When the bronze serpent becomes another great example because it got to the point where Israel turned that into an ex opere operato mm, sacrament. Right, right. During the time of Hezekiah, they were mm. actually working or worshiping the bronze serpent mm. to the point that Hezekiah chopped it up and destroyed it. Yeah, right? Right. Uh, if we make anything in the church about God applying or delivering his salvation apart from his promise, mm. we likewise are committing idolatry. Yeah. But if we neglect the place of God's promise and the content of God's promise for our own self-constructed things, we're committing the exact same error. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, good. So, boy, that's a lot of, a lot of good stuff there. I, maybe this is a good time to wrap up this episode. Uh, any other closing comments uh, as we think on this text from Daniel? Nope. Got a verse? Yes, do. Um, From John 2, a couple of verses. Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. For the latest for the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota, visit flbc.edu. God bless you and have a great week.